Thanks for listening. Join us now for Perry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. So the other day I was home alone, which is a rarity. And I just was spending some time with the Lord. And it wasn't like my quiet time. It wasn't like, oh, now it's time to grab my Bible and my journal and sit and be with the Lord. I just wanted to spend some time with him. And he brought to my attention how I was trying to prove myself to others. I was like, oh my gosh, you're so right. But I wanted to know where this was coming from. Like, why is this in me? Why do I have this, I don't know, intense desire to win the approval and the favor of other people? And so... I started just thinking about that and trying to answer the question of why it mattered so much to me, what other people thought of me. And I realized that the most painful moments I've experienced in my life have been moments when I felt invisible and I felt like I just was not seen. And if you really could be invisible, that would be an awesome thing. (laughs) Wonder Woman could be invisible. (laughs) But what you're talking about right now is not an awesome thing. But if you could be invisible, that would be awesome. That'd be cool. That'd be a super because people woman. would like me then, right, Barry? <laughs> <laughs> oh, they would. They'd say, oh, she, she can turn invisible. That's so cool. Did you see She's how she amazing. just disappeared like that? Yeah, but I but I hear what you're talking about. Not yeah. a good thing. Yeah, not a good thing. So, I mean, here's just one example of one moment. Uh, it was Christmas Eve that I sang a trio with my husband and our worship leader, and I was in the worship center like the following Sunday. It was right after Christmas. And we were with like just a group of people and somebody said, oh man, the, the Christmas Eve service, wasn't that great? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people were just kind of sharing their favorite parts and stuff and fun moments that we shared together. And and somebody in the group said, I love that duet that your husband did with the worship leader. Oh my gosh. What? That's what I was thinking. I was like, uh, you know, and I didn't say anything, but you know, other people kind of chimed in and like, oh yeah, that was so good. It, like Robert and, and Dan should sing together more often. Their voices just blend really well. It just kept going. And I was like, I felt <laughs> Ben's laughing <laughs> at my painful moment. <laughs> Isn't that awful? Okay. So it's not just me. No. It's legit rank. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So I just kept feeling smaller and smaller as this was going on and it may seem like it's just a small, silly thing, but I felt totally overlooked. I mean, it was a trio, people. It was not a duet, but there was just no acknowledgement that I was a part of the song in any way, shape, or form. I don't see how a person can miss that. That's, that's really, that's really a, a bad thing to miss. Three people on the stage, me in the middle, a man on either side of me. Not a duet. Not a duet. It's, but a, it's a trio. Anyway. It's also three people singing. It is that too. (laughs) But it was a painful moment for me. And in that moment, you know, to be in this group of people where the statement's made and it doesn't even get corrected and nobody said, wasn't Shauna like in that song, (laughs) you know? Yeah. But it's just one example of several moments in my life where I have felt completely invisible and it was really, really painful. I've got a friend who, ah, so kindly refers to himself as Horton in my life because he's like Horton hears a who Mm -hmm. Dr. Seuss's Horton hears a who he's like doesn't matter how small you are or how small you feel I see you and I care about you Hmm. and it has just meant the world to me that if we're not careful if we don't if we don't do the work and we don't let God heal those broken places inside of us the wounds can lead us to make vows vows like I will do whatever it takes to make sure that I am not overlooked again. I will prove 
that I am smart enough, that I am beautiful enough. I will sing the high notes. I will, you know, whatever the case may be to make sure that I am not missed in the picture. Yeah, I hear that. But God wants to heal those hurts instead. Instead of us making vows, he wants to be invited into the places that are painful in your heart. The places, you know, where you've been lied to. Those those moments like that, they send messages. They're not just moments, they're messages. And that one sent to me, you know, you don't matter. And that's a lie. And God wanted to heal my heart. So the other day, back to me being alone at the house, right? He brought this to my attention. The fact that I was, there was a vow. I was striving to win the favor and the attention of other people. And it was painful for me to be honest with him about that desire in my life and about feeling invisible. But I needed to let God into that room into that space to know that pain and to know that stuff for him to heal me. And in his goodness, in this moment, there I was in my couch downstairs all by myself with my golden retriever in my lab. And I felt like, like the God of heaven and earth said, do you want to know how much I love you? Do you want to know how much you matter to me? And it wasn't like, it wasn't gentle per se, but he like, grabbed my hand and put it in his hand where Mm -hmm. the nail scars were in his hand. You know what I mean? In my mind's eye, this happened, right? right? I saw Jesus grab my hand and say, and say to me, do you want to know how much I love you? Do you want to know how much I care about you? And showing me, you know, that, that he died for me and there was, there was still blood on his hands. And, and he's just said, this is how much I love you. Look, this is how much you matter to me. And I just wept there. And I, you know, he kind of, took the back of my head with his hand and just pulled me close to him into his chest and just let me weep there. And he just held me and just let me cry. Mm-hmm. And it was like John three sixteen, you know, that old familiar verse that could become rote and kind of stale as we hear it. Ah, just washed over me for God. So loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And that truth was like this healing balm to my brokenness. And it was, it was this, what I felt in that moment was, I am already loved. You are already loved. The striving, the vows, having to prove that you're the smartest or you're the most valuable or you got the best idea in the room or, you know, you're the most profound, you're the greatest, you're the best. You can stop it. (laughs) Knock it off in Jesus name. You are already loved. For me, it's like, Lord, I don't need the stage. I don't need the platform because you love me. That's what he is working in my heart. Nobody's ever going to love you like Jesus loves you. So stop trying to prove yourself. Take a deep breath, my friend. You are already loved. I love how the Lord so beautifully coaches us up. In 1 Peter 3.15, always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. I'm to be prepared to communicate my hope in Jesus in a winsome way. And I love how it says, with gentleness Mm -hmm. and respect. So Olivia is a frontiers worker who lives in the Middle East She has many young Muslim friends who are drawn to her because they know she loves them. Kind of sounds like you're Bryn. (laughs) 
When she first met the delightful boy, Michal, he stuttered because as a little boy, he was beaten by his father. In early 2020, before the COVID lockdown, Michal heard the gospel, gave his life over to Jesus, and Jesus healed his wounded heart and his stutter. So cool. Wow. Then came the lockdown, and Olivia wasn't able to see him for months. But finally, Michal was back, and Olivia wanted to make sure he really understood the gospel. Olivia said, Michal, you're about to go back to school. Your classmates will notice that you are not like them. They might ask you questions or even mistreat you. You need to know that Jesus is more than a prophet and be able to share with your friends why this is true. Olivia was just into her grand speech when Michal stopped her. Of course he is more than a prophet, Michal said. He is the son of God. He said that he was. When he was born, angels praised his name. He did miracles. He died on the cross for our sins, but rose to life. And one day, he's coming to be with us forever. Olivia said, Michelle, how did you learn all this? He said, my mom has the New Testament at home. I've been reading it every day, and I'm on page 87. (laughs) Oh, I love that. (laughs) He's ready. Michelle's ready. That little guy is prepared. Yeah. And... If he can do it, I can do it. If he can do it, you can do it. We can be prepared. Yeah, we can. We can. We can be prepared to share our story, to, to share where God's story intersects with our story and matters to their story. Mm-hmm. And it's really, that's like the beautiful thing when all of those three things come together and they see, oh my goodness, who God is matters to my life and impacts me personally. Mm-hmm. There's nothing like a powerfully loving, prepared messenger of Jesus Mm -hmm. filled with the love of Jesus and changed by the love of Jesus. Yeah. I love this little guy. I'd love to meet him. Michal shows the way to be prepared. He knows the word. He's soaking it in. It's moving from his head to his heart. And when questions come up at school and when he's mistreated because he's a Jesus follower, he'll know what to say because here's what happens. The spirit brings to mind the words mm. that are in our hearts, but we got to put it in there first, but that's how it works. So this passage here from first Peter three fifteen, we are spurred on by young Michal in the middle East, somewhere in the middle East, always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and with respect. My heart's desire and longing is to live in what Tim Keller calls the freedom of self-forgetfulness. And it's one of his books that we highly recommend. And it's a really quick yet powerful read. It's all about getting my ultimate identity, not from anything I do, good or bad. It's drawing my ultimate identity from the lifetime flawless achievements of Jesus. So self-forgetfulness is disconnecting my identity from my own performance and getting it from Jesus' performance. It's a roller coaster ride trying to get my identity from what I do, good or bad, because some days I get the praise I crave for my achievement. (laughs) Other days I get criticized, mostly in my own conscience, for my failures. One moment, 
You have it because you do something well. Next moment, it's gone because you blew it. It's a really tiresome way to live. And even if you get it because you did something really well, well, then you got to hold it, you know, or you got to do something better the next time, you know, yep. to, to keep getting that high and that, oh, I earned it and so I deserve it. So mm-hmm. it's just exhausting. It's not, it's not secure. It's not anything that you can just rest in. Yeah. You got to keep winning it. Right. So in 2020, I released my album called Him, and one of the songs on Him is a reimagining of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And a music reviewer from the UK said, there have been so many remakes of this Christmas carol, and this one just doesn't do anything for me. I'd rather hear a new song than a remake. Ouch. (laughs) Where am I getting my identity? Yeah. And then about a week later, another music reviewer said, I really like the two original songs on the album, but the other eight reimagined hymns don't do much for me. In fact, one of them was sort of boring. So, yeah, where do I get my identity? Yeah. You know? You know, and this is some schmuck in his basement with his two sons. (laughs) (laughs) I put it weighs so heavily on you, right? (laughs) Everybody, everybody's got an opinion. (laughs) If I find my identity in my achievements and failures or failures, in the praise or criticism of people, I'll never find rest. Mm -hmm. And yet I do this so often. But there's a way out, and the way is a person, Jesus. I think he said something like that. I'm the way, the truth, and the (laughs) life. Indeed. He lived a flawless life. He never failed. He never sinned. He never gave in to hatred or lust. Everything he did deserved the highest praise because he never failed. Let's say Jesus had 10 million opportunities in life to be obedient to God out of just Mm. his heart of love for God. He was obedient every single time. Yeah, 10 million. And then he died in my place for my sins, my flaws, my failures. He took the judgment that I justly deserve because of his love, because of the Father's love. And then he rose again. And in the resurrection, the Father in heaven was saying, look at him my perfectly obedient son in whom I I am so pleased. Look at him. And when I transfer my trust away from what I do, good or bad, away from the praise or criticism of people and place my trust squarely on Jesus, all my sins are forgiven and there's more. Jesus' perfect obedience is counted as my own. (laughs) And the father joyfully can say to me because of my trust in Jesus, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. You are my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. This is the life God offers you and me, living in the freedom of self-forgetfulness, having the identity thing taken care of for me, resting in being a loved and treasured child of God because of what Jesus has done for me, freed from the tyranny of trying to get it myself. And this is something that I have to come back to Every single day. Yeah. And I feel like like this is a season in my life, a brand new season to just embrace this even more Mm -hmm. because this is not, we say it often, it's not a one and done thing. I can so easily fall into getting my identity from myself and not from Christ. And it's just, it's a journey to continue to hold on to that. Yeah. We had this Sunday, the teaching team uh, member who, who spoke, his name is Darren uh, just a phenomenal message, but on reconciliation and and the part of the message we was talking about us reconciling to God, God reconciling Himself to us was you know He said just close your eyes for a minute and just picture that you're in a courtroom, 
and you know the judge picks up the gavel and you think he's just gonna he's just about to smack it down and you know you're guilty you know you are you know and you're just ready you're just waiting for the gavel to bang you know and and you're guilty and then you need to go through the punishment and he says but you know the judge instead stands up walks down to where you are and says uncuff him and you're like oh my gosh he's setting me free what you know uncuff him uncuff her set her free she's she's not guilty he's not guilty free and clear mm-hmm. and you're just overwhelmed and with your free arms you know you wrap your arms around him you give him a big old hug and then as you are escorted out of the court you see that they are putting the cuffs on him yeah on the judge on the judge yep cuz he's taking the punishment yep that is rightfully yours you know, and it's just, man, when we recognize the incredible love that God has for us and what he has done for us and that we are no longer waiting for that gavel to fall, mm. you know, yep, we're, yep. we're free. It's been declared. Our judgment has already happened. It's already happened. Our, our judgment day has already happened. We've been judged for our sins in the person of Jesus. So, so where do you get your identity? Do you get it from yourself or do you draw it from God's unfathomable love for you. So as people who are following after Jesus, we've experienced the love of Jesus and we love him back. And his word tells us that we're to be the messengers about his love to the world around us. We want that too, right? We're commanded to do that and we're excited to be a part of that. But sometimes it can be hard and intimidating to know how to dive into the conversation. You know, I mean, how do you kind of casually move from a conversation about the tigers to a conversation about the gospel. Good question. You have any comments for me on that one, Ben? Uh, I have nothing at all. Okay. <laughs> Other than maybe that we could pray a little bit more for our tigers when they <laughs> play next go. season. It's an opportunity oh, to pray. Yeah. And then you could say, you know, I, I love the tigers and I've been praying for the tigers. And, you know, prayer is really important to me. <laughs> and Oh, go. absolutely. Do you believe that God passionately loves you? <laughs> there it is right there. There it is, the transition. It's still a bit of a jump, but yeah, yeah, yeah. it might take a little bit of finessing to figure it out. Yeah. But I actually just heard a teaching from a friend of ours, Steve Biltawi. He's one of the pastors on staff at our church, and he's just gifted as an evangelist. Like it just comes out of him. It seems effortlessly. He shared a little tip with us on how to kind of dive into conversations. And this was a question that he said to ask people to open up conversations about spirituality. Do you believe that God passionately loves you. And I really love this. I like this, I think, especially for our context where a lot of people go to church. A lot of people, you know, are familiar with the religion of Christianity. If you were to ask somebody here in West Michigan, do you know who Jesus is? They'd probably say, yeah. (laughs) You know, I mean, then there's kind of nowhere to go from there. But do you believe that God passionately loves you? That's a different question altogether. Yeah. And it would be a bit different too if you said, do you believe God loves you? If you left out passionately, I don't think it would have as much of a of an effect. Mm-hmm. Do you believe that God passionately loves you? It brings God's feelings into right. it. Right. It's and like, how do you think God feels about you? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just a little bit deeper, right? And if the person says, "Yeah, I do believe that God passionately loves me," what a great conversation you can have about you know how they've experienced God's love and be encouraged by one another through that. But if they say, um, "I don't." I don't know. I guess I've never really thought about how God feels about me. What is that? Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's the 
I'm not so sure about that sound. (laughs) Sound effect is what that is. But it could be the opportunity for you to kind of share how you have experienced Jesus. So basically tell your own story of encountering God's love and then share with them the truth about God's love. That's, That's God's story. And you can share God's story by just reciting John 316 to them. Yeah, there it is. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And so you've made it personal now. It's God's story, but you've made it personal by connecting it to your life, but you can connect it to them by just taking it a step further in the verse. Instead of saying the world, put their name in there for God. So loved Susan for God. So loved Jacob you know, whatever the case may be, whoever it is that you're talking with. And, you know, you can share with them that it's not just that God loves you. He passionately loves you. He's crazy about you. And it might just open up an opportunity, you know, if they're kind of hearing this for the first time and you're realizing that maybe it's just hitting them differently for the first time. And there's an interest there in knowing more that you could just simply say, man, if you'd like to find out more about what God's word says about how he feels about you, I'd love to meet with you and talk with you about that. Yeah, so it's your pastor Steve that that gave this, you know, gave this way of sharing the gospel. Mm-hmm. Did he mention? I'm sure he's done this himself. Did he have any examples that that you can remember? If not, we'll just move on. But I'm sure he does this all the time and has stories to tell. I'd love to hear some of those stories. Yeah, Steve has got stories. He just does. He this is a story that comes to mind, but I don't know it was specifically around this question. But there's um, a gas station that he had gone to at night, needed to fill up the tank, and the person working at the gas station. It's really funny because he said, you know, people just leak. You don't even have to ask for it. You know, he just walked in to buy something and said, "How you doing?" or whatever. You know, I'll buy the Snickers. And the person behind the counter was like. Uh, it's getting late, blah, 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 and starts just sharing things about their life, you know, which was an entry point for Steve to enter into conversation with them. And I think he said something along the lines of, I hope tomorrow night's shift is better than tonight's was. And the guy said, so do I. And he goes, I'll come back and find out. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? And then you've got relationship, then you've got an opportunity. And so now he, (laughs) he never fills up his tank to full. He only fills it up partially so that he has more opportunities to go to this gas station, fill up and encounter the same clerk. That's awesome. He's gifted yeah. at evangelism. But these are simple things. These aren't things that we can't learn. This is stuff that even though that's not my gift, I can pick up and I can learn as well. And so can you. And we can open up these conversations of faith and it may lead to more conversations of faith if we're just ready for it. So this is just something that we could use. Maybe, maybe this is helpful to you today. The question is, do you believe that God passionately loves you? might just open up some conversations for you today. This may sound really weird, but the idea, the truth that we are born with a sinful nature is actually a beautiful thing. That may sound weird. Yeah, you're going to have to explain that one a little bit. It's certainly not popular in in today's culture, but it's a, it's really a life-giving thing. Think about it. If everybody in the world realized, oh, I have a sinful nature (laughs) and that's a reality about myself. Okay. So let me explain. G.K. Chesterton was an English writer, philosopher, and theologian. And he said this, Christianity preaches an unattractive idea called original sin. But when we wade through the results of the doctrine of original sin, here's what we find. We find they are compassion and brotherhood 
and a thunder of laughter and pity, for only with original sin can we pity the beggar and distrust the king. In other words, I'm not better than anybody mm-hmm. because I'm a sinner. Mm-hmm. I have a sin nature in me that, that propels me, that gives me a want to sin and causes me to fail. I mean, I make choices, but I have this sinful nature. So I'm not better than anybody, Yeah, but I'm not worse than anybody. We're all on level ground. Right. There's no us and them. I love that about it. Yeah. There's no us and them. I think us and them is always a problem. You know, whether it's the church and the unchurched or the black and the white, like when we have an us and a them thing going on, I think there's something for us to, to look at. And it also tells us that we all need outside intervention. Mm-hmm. We all need a savior. I need a savior. You need a savior. Again, I'm not better than you. I'm not worse than you. We all have this poison inside of us. And the only antidote antidote for the poison is the Lord Jesus mm-hmm. and his blood and his cleansing. And and I think that this this truth, this doctrine of original sin can give us compassion. I just wonder what Facebook would look like and all the social media uh, platforms would look like if we all came there thinking, well, two things. I have, I'm a sinner. And the other thing would be, I'm not better than anybody else. Everybody here on this platform is Mm. made in the image of God. Mm. I'm a sinner. Everybody here is made in the image of God. Yeah. What a difference that would make. Yeah. The humility there. When, um, in August I was in Hungary and the Czech Republic, my daughter lives in the Czech Republic. And one of the things that really stood out to me about our time there is the homeless that beg for money. Mm-hmm. It's so different than in the States. In the States, you might see somebody, you know, standing on a corner, standing up, holding a sign as you're driving by and kind of showing you the sign kind of thing. And, you know, maybe walking up to your car, that sort of thing. Or you might see somebody sitting up against a wall or against a pole, leaned back, legs extended, you know, with a, with a sign nearby or something like that. In Europe, the beggars they would have a bowl in front of them and they would be on their knees with their face on the ground. Hmm. Like such an incredibly humble posture. It was, it did something different to my heart. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? And I just think, I don't know, as you were talking, I was just picturing coming up beside one of them and, and taking the same posture. You know what I mean? Like me too, bro. Like I need to. Yeah, that's it right there. Our needs are going to be different, but we're in this together. You know, I think that the the phrase there, but for the grace of God, go I. Right. You know, it's an old, old expression, but it's true. And I think that this flows out of the idea of, hey, we are all, we are all sinners. We have a poison in us that I have a poison in me that could cause me to, to do anything, anything horrible that you read about in the news. That's in me. And that's humbling, but that's a good thing. Yeah. So I'd like to hear what you think about G.K. Chesterton's thoughts on original sin. Here it is. Christianity preaches an unattractive idea called original sin. But when we wade through the results of the doctrine of original sin, we find that the results are compassion and brotherhood and a thunder of laughter and pity for only... With original sin, can we pity the beggar 
and distrust the king. Mm-hmm. 800-968-8930. 800-968-8930. And I don't know about you, but I've got hope for this sinner right here. Thanks for listening to Barry and Shauna Replay. To learn more, text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930.